On this first communion weekend, we hear from John's Gospel, the story of Jesus gathered around the table on the very last night before he died to share this meal with his disciples. Although John doesn't tell us about the details of the meal, as do Matthew, Mark, and Luke, rather in John's Gospel, we hear about what Jesus does during the course of that meal, what he does for his disciples, and what he invites them to do now going forward as a way to follow him and share his love with the world. And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all these things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around his waist. After he had washed their feet, had put on his robe and had returned to the table, he said to them, do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash the feet of one another. For I have set you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Very truly, I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Little children, I am with you only a little while longer. You will look for me. And as I said to the Jewish authorities, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. This is the gospel of our Lord. So you might be wondering why it is that we hear the story of Jesus having the very last supper with his disciples now after Easter. Well, it's because in uh, the scriptures, we follow a what's called a lectionary of readings. And so every year we focus on an, another gospel writer. Uh, so year A takes us through the Gospel of Matthew, year B takes us through the Gospel of Mark, year C it takes us through the Gospel of Luke. John doesn't get a year of his own, and so uh, the people who came up with this uh, cycle of readings in worship decided that John's stories would be best sprinkled into the Easter season and in the Christmas season which is why we go back now and hear some of these most, um, most John stories of Jesus's life. And it's fitting for us this first communion weekend that we're back at where it all began, at Jesus's table. And what's really interesting is John tells the events of the evening in a little bit different format from a different perspective. 
uh, all the other Gospels focus on the bread and the wine and remembering and body and blood. And all of them are, are filled with who's around the table and the events that are unfolding all around them that night and what will be taking place the next day. And what we also hear are the people at the table, none of whom are perfect. There's the one who will betray Jesus, the one who will deny Jesus, the ones who are still trying to figure out what Jesus has been saying. Probably a little similar as we gather around Jesus's table too. Always imperfect, always struggling to live up to the things that people hope from us, expect of us, always wishing that our words and our actions didn't cause hurt in the ways that they sometimes do. But as we come to the table, we remember that one of the blessings we receive is always of Jesus's forgiveness, of Jesus's love for us, human that we are, to not let any of these things keep us from God, keep us from coming back, keep us from going back out and trying once again to live what we have learned and what Jesus has modeled for us. In John's Gospel, we hear all about how Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. Obviously, at a time in which foot washing was a necessary practice, it was a sign of hospitality. It would be equivalent to someone coming into your home and helping them to get settled and immediately asking them, would you like something to drink? Would you like a water, a soda, beverage? That would be a great sign of hospitality. You probably don't need to like have your bowl of water ready to wash their dusty feet from the sandals that they've worn walking to your house. But in Jesus's day, that was a great sign of hospitality. Only it was never done by the person who lived in that place. There was usually a servant. There was usually someone that would be able to do it. And so for Jesus as teacher to wash the feet of his disciples really says something profound. We don't have to be focused on being the greatest, on being the most important, on, on thinking that everything has to be done for us. Rather, we can be about service. We can be about humility. And, and Jesus says that when we are attentive to these things, blessings come to us. Blessings that we can't even anticipate, we can't even plan for or, or try to uh, prepare for. They just come in the most unexpected, surprising of ways and have such incredible power to fill us to enliven our spirits, to fill us up, and then to send us back out. In this meal, we talk about so many blessings that we receive. 
forgiveness, love. But there's also the community that's a part of it. This piece is on our altar because it was a gift to us from uh, our friends at Cordero de, de Dios in El Salvador. And you can see the words printed on it as well and the date in which they gave it to us. And it's a reminder to us that whenever we share this meal, we never share it by ourselves. We always share it with the people near and far all across the world who are gathered at the table too. It's a reminder of our connectedness that we share because of Christ who unites us as this body of his that we are. There are so many blessings that we receive through this meal. It's the smallest of meals. <laughs> you don't think that it's gonna really fill up your stomach at all. And yet it does something for our spirits that we can't fully do on our own. That we can't buy, we can't upgrade, supersize. It is a special and important meal. And though it doesn't have large proportions, it fills us up in a way that we can be so, so grateful for. Because it reminds us of who we are. It reminds us we don't have to be perfect. It reminds us that we have second chances. And it reminds us that we are loved. And when we know how loved we are, then it also fills us to share that love in return. And that's how we get sent forth from this meal. But here's the thing. It doesn't usually take very long and something happens. Something leaves us frustrated. Something leaves us upset, not knowing how to deal with something. Uh, maybe it's a person who is just different from us. They think differently. Their personality is different from us. And we find ourselves really struggling. And then we start to pull back and we start to try to control things or control others. Or we, we say things that are mean, are hurtful, are a little dismissive or passive aggressive. And before we know it, we are empty inside. And so it's a good reason for us to come to the meal as often as we can, to remember Jesus as often as we can, all throughout our day, so that we can tap into his strength and his blessings that he gives to us. Forgiveness, love. And the reminder that we're connected and we're in community with one another. It's not always easy, but if we are willing to make, take some time and to work at it, then we can't even plan for the gifts that will come when we do so. Now, the other thing that you need to know about John's gospel is that this was at a time in which so many years after Jesus' death and resurrection, and 
God's people are fighting with each other. Families have been split in two because of people who, who believe in Jesus, believe he's the Messiah, and those who see him as a teacher, as a faithful person, but not quite the one who God had promised. And it is causing the family of God to not love one another. Instead, to be the very opposite to each other. And so maybe that's why Jesus' words here are example. This is what it looks like to serve. This is what it looks like to love. Those words should are hard for my mind and my ears to hear. In part because I grew up with a pastor who always talked about not shooting on yourself or on those around you. Words of wisdom that have served me well in the moments that I have lived them and remembered them. But they're so easy to say. They're easy to say when we're frustrated with one another. You should have done that. You should have remembered. You should have told me. And they're also easy words to say to ourselves too. Oh, I should have, I should have known better. I should have taken more time and done it more slowly to do a better job. I, I should have remembered. I should have, I should have been able to hold this all together. I should have, should have, should have. And what happens is the word ends up laying on this punch power of guilt and shame and nothing but negativity. And I don't think that's what Jesus is trying to intend. But I think he knows that it's really hard to show love sometimes. And it's something that we ought not give up working for either. And so that's why it comes with a little extra um, emphasis so that we can never forget to keep on working and to keep on receiving Jesus's love for us. To let that be what leads us on how we live. And so this day, we remember and we give thanks. And we receive it. We receive the smallest of meals, knowing that it fills us up, fills us with all good things, blessings of forgiveness and love and community and the power to send us out able to serve and to be humble and to share his love. May this be so for you, for me, for everyone at the table this day. Amen.